The Women's World Cup has already been full of surprises and upsets. Plus, later in the episode, we'll hear from an executive at Fox on broadcasting the tournament. It's Friday, August 4th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The Women's World Cup is through the group stage onto the elimination rounds, and we are already at the stage of, if you say you predicted all of this, you are lying. Joining me now to discuss is, once again, Front Office Sports newsletter co-author David Rumsey. Welcome, David. Hey, Owen, I'm not saying I predicted any of this, so don't hold me accountable here. <laughs> yeah, I think I didn't even get around to filling out a bracket, and it would have been completely wrong. Uh, so, yeah, I guess glad to have accidentally abstained on that one. All right, so let's start with the, the U.S., they are on to the, the quarterfinals against Sweden, and no one seems all that happy about where they're at right now. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, they were favored to win every game in the group stage. They only got one win, two draws. Their former captain, Carly Lloyd, who is an analyst on Fox now, is criticizing the team, which the players are not happy about, and Carly Lloyd has to walk back some of those comments. Not the start in the group stage that the U.S. women's national team wanted, and it's not the start that Fox wanted for them either. Uh, Fox Network was absolutely anticipating the U.S. to win their group and carved out some match windows with FIFA to have the U.S. play a couple more games in prime time on the East Coast here in the U.S. They did not win the group. They went to second place. They are going to other match slot times, and it's going to be all in the middle of the night, just like that Portugal match was that started at 3 a.m. So get your uh, coffee ready. It's uh, 5 a.m. on Sunday for the U.S. women's national team against Sweden. So yeah, on those Carly Lloyd comments, uh, what did what caused such an uproar there? Well, she is used to winning World Cups, which she did her last two World Cups with the team in 2015 and 2019. And she's probably worried that that's not going to happen this time for her former U.S. Women's National Team teammates. She said that she wasn't seeing enough uh, passion out on the pitch, and that kind of irked some of uh, the teammates. And I don't know that I can really blame her. She's an analyst on TV, and she's supposed to give her opinions. And there's been two straight draws for the U.S., and they were supposed to fly through the group stage like we were just talking about. So call it like you see it, I guess. Yeah. So let's go from maybe not the biggest disappointment, but a disappointment to uh, an incredible success story. So let's get to Jamaica. They had to crowdfund their way into just paying the expenses to be at this tournament. Um, And now they've knocked off one of the biggest fish out there. Yeah, it's an incredible story. This women's team from Jamaica didn't have enough money coming in from the Federation, which doesn't really make all that much money itself, the Soccer Federation in Jamaica, much less allocating enough funds to the women's side of team opposed to the men's team. They were able to scrape together over $100,000 from a couple crowdfunding campaigns ahead of this tournament, and now they were able to tie against Brazil and knock them out of the World Cup group stage, and they're on to play Colombia next week in the knockout round, which we've seen so far in this tournament, anything can happen. Yeah, and speaking of anything can happen, uh, let's just take a, a quick look through uh, the, uh, the the group stage. There are some shocking upsets, especially you know if you're if you mostly know uh, you know who's good in the men's World Cup. There are some major major omissions teams that would be you know one of the top favored teams. Uh, so I'm just going to scan through. So actually, well, we've got to start with Group H, which is uh, Colombia, Morocco, Germany, and South Korea. Um, you know. If you're scanning there, Germany and Colombia would be the names that pop out in terms of global soccer powers, especially Germany. Um, And yeah, care to tell us what happened there? 
It was it was a crazy turn of events. Germany had the most goals scored in that group, the highest goal differential, but because of the way the points worked out and their loss to Colombia and tie against South Korea, they did not make it out of the group, even though they beat Morocco 6-0. to zero. Morocco was the one heading out of the group. Just another crazy thing in this tournament. Yeah, and, and I'm just going to take a quick scan through through the group. So Italy and Argentina are out, losing to Sweden and South Africa and their group. Brazil is out, as we mentioned. Um, France and Jamaica advance there. Um, China's out. They've been a, you know, a finalist contender in the past. Uh, Canada was a big surprise is out. So yeah, any takeaway that you're getting just from, you know, the sort of the almost roll of the dice here that we're seeing in terms of who, who's advancing and who's not. One thing we were writing out about at front office sports ahead of the tournament was how the U.S. was going to fake, face its uh, toughest competition yet at a Women's World Cup. And that's definitely showing for the teams that have been playing the U.S. tough, like Portugal and the Netherlands, which won our group. But also goes to show that the talent around the world, even though the funding might not be equal in every single country, these women soccer players are really, really talented and giving each other fits, not just the U.S. So it's been really competitive overall. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, some of these successes that we're seeing will will lead to more of that funding down the road as, as countries and teams see, you know, we actually have something here. David Rumsey, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Owen. Up next, I spoke to Fox Sports Senior VP of Digital Content, Michael Bucklin. The Women's World Cup is one of those moments where the network broadcasting it has a chance to show what it can do and bring new ideas into reality. Fox Sports has been doing that with an eye toward the younger, more social media focused cohort of U.S. soccer fans, with the obvious challenge that, as David and I just discussed, a lot of these games are happening in the middle of the night in the U.S. We got into all of that and more, and that conversation is next. All right. Very excited to be joined now by Michael Bucklin, Fox Sports Senior VP of Digital Content. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me. So the Women's World Cup is obviously a huge production. How far back did the preparations go for this tournament for you guys? Well, we're, we're lucky. We've had a few World Cups now. So um, preparations generally start about a year in advance, but we're also able to build off the World Cups that we've had before. So you know, Fox Sports has been doing this since... 2015, you know, we're still using learns from 2015 um, all the way now, you know, here in 2023. Uh, we're also pretty lucky that it was last fall we had the the men's version of the tournament um, in Qatar and we're able to take a lot of those very recent learns and that recent prep and uh, adjust it a little bit and apply it to, to here in Sydney. Yeah. And what are some things that you learned from the, the men's World Cup not so long ago that are, you know, affecting how you do things now? Probably the, the, one of the biggest hurdles, uh, there's a couple of them, uh, but one of the biggest is just the amount of people that work on a project like this. I want to say all in, there's something around 75 digital producers that are working with probably you know twice that amount on the television side. And you're trying to all focus on the same priorities, the same you know direction, the, the, the same tentpole events, these, these live events. And, and it's how do you get everyone on that same page? How do you get everyone swimming in that same direction? And then get them to communicate, you know, whether it's in person, electronically, over the phone, when you're dealing with 15, 16, 17 hours difference in time zone. You know, I'm, I'm talking to you right now. I, I think, what is it? It's Tuesday here. It's probably Monday for you. You know, so, you know, there, there's, there's so many uh, logistics in, in getting sort of a, a village of people all on the same page to, um, to make high quality championship level productions. Yeah. And so... 
you're, of course, on the digital side. There's also the broadcast side. What, what's the digital side focused on? What, what are you guys producing for this, this tournament? So more than anything, the, the biggest focus is always, you know, we call them the tentpoles. It's, it's the biggest bets of the company, and that's going to be the live events themselves. You know, we know people come to us for those live events, specifically the teams and the players that they most want to watch. And it's without question, you know, especially uh, for the women's tournament, the interest around the U.S. women's national team is uh, as high as it gets. You know, still to this day, I'm sure a stat you're familiar with, the you know, USA-Japan final in 2015 is the most watched soccer match in the history of the U.S., men or women. So we know that there is an enormous amount of interest in these U.S. women, um, and especially when they're playing live. So, you know, when they open live on Fox, that that's going to be those, those U.S. games, you know, live games in, in general are going to be our biggest bets. Um, but we also know there's some unique challenges for this tournament. You know, the time zone is a unique challenge. So how do you keep fans engaged? You know, maybe they miss a, a match. Maybe they miss a couple. Um, maybe there's athletes, you know, across the globe that they're not familiar with yet. That's where we think in digital we shine. Like, how do you connect those audiences between live events, day-to-day, introduce them to new international superstars, introduce them to, you know, so, some of the new U.S. team members. Um, and so to do that, we have every type of content be consumed whenever you want, wherever you want, however you want, whether it's video, whether it's written stories, whether it's stats pages, whether it's social media at Fox Soccer, and to the platform of their choice. You know, they could listen to audio only on a on a Spotify or an Apple. They could, you know, get content on Twitter, they could get on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, you name it. So, you know, we're trying to help fans stay on top of this tournament, help them understand who these athletes are, what the stakes are. Um and, you know, while also supporting these live events. So that's how we think about our job at Digital, amplify those live events and keep those fans engaged between them. And the World Cup is, is such a unique thing, I mean, for a lot of reasons. But one of those reasons is that it makes people who don't normally watch soccer tune in. But that means there's a lot of introducing to do. You know, there's there's a whole cast of characters. There's there's countries they might not even think about very much. So where do you aim your focus uh, when it comes to educating people and making them interested in the drama? We, we've been doing a lot of profile pieces as an example leading into this, you know, on foxsports.com and the Fox Sports app, also across social media. Because we think that people generally like people a lot more than brands. Like people are going to tune in for Alex Morgan probably more than just because it's presented on Fox Sports, right? So the more that they understand Alex or some of the, the new players like Rodman... We want them to feel like they know who these athletes are, that they're emotionally invested in these athletes. And these athletes are about to go on a journey. And it's a journey they go on really once every four years. It's enormous. Um, and so if we can bring the fan closer to these athletes um, and also just closer to the action here in Sydney, you know, we have producers that are on the ground at live events, embedded with the team. You know, the more that we understand not everyone in the world can fly across the globe to, to be here. But if we can make fans feel like they're part of it, if they can get that inside access, feel like they're sort of in the mix, we think they're going to care more about those live events. We've been hearing for a while now that women's soccer is one of the fastest growing sports properties out there. Um, yeah, it, but it's still, you know, it, it's still along that journey. You know, FIFA wanted $300 million for their their media rights, um, you know, across the whole globe. And I think they only got around $200 million. Uh, prize money is catching up, but still nowhere close to to the men's side. Where where do you see Fox Sports as entering into this picture in terms of growing the game? Well, one of the I wasn't here at the time, so I can just brag about my teammates for a minute. But you know, uh, my colleagues at Fox Sports in 2015, 
put on the Women's World Cup on Fox, on, on network television, and made it an enormous deal. Like I said earlier, the most watched sporting or soccer event in the history of the United States. So there's a point of pride at Fox that, you know, was I learned right when I got here that they turned, you know, the Women's World Cup into this marquee jewel event that's on par with the men's on par with the, you know, the way that we cover a Super Bowl, the way that we cover a World Series, it's in that top mix of top events that the company is the most proud of. So I think Fox is really proud to have done that. And I think probably helped launch um, women's soccer in America, at least take it to the next level because of how many people watch that event. I mean, 24 million people watch that event. That's an enormous number. And I don't know if, you know, we can even comprehend the impact that 24 million people watching um, had, you know, whether it's on um, other folks interested in covering soccer, on the youth soccer movement, um, on the athletes, you know, that to this day are, you know, sitting at the desk, uh, you know, on Fox and on FS1 talking about the game. I mean, the impact was enormous. So I think Fox is really proud of the role they played in that that started back in 15. And do you think there's another level that women's soccer and, you know, the Women's World Cup can reach? Yeah. I mean, first of all, we're, we might be looking at one of the all-time dynasties right here, right? So, you know, we're looking at a team that has a chance to tie Brazil in most uh, World Cups ever, men or women. We're looking at a team that's won back-to-back. We're looking at a team that's going for a three-peat. I mean, that type of success just cuts through, you know? So we're our job is, is to make this tournament. You know, I think something Fox is really good at that I've learned, you know, in my time here is taking sporting events and making them feel bigger. Um, that's our job. And, and we especially like to do that around the marquee temple events that are on our broadcast. Um, so you'll see us doing everything in our power to make this feel like the biggest event on the planet. I can tell you from a digital perspective, this is the nicest set we've ever had uh, for any tournament or any initiative. I'm sitting in it right now at the beautiful uh, shot of the harbor at the moment. Um, we have the most amount of people we've ever had uh, working on this project. We're the most connected with our linear television unit on this project. You're going to see more faces from Fox Sports talent roster uh, across our digital products than you ever have before for any product, men's or women's, any sport. So, you know, part of our job is to keep taking this up to the next level as a company. And we hope that you know fans follow us as, as, as we try to elevate it. One of your big initiatives on the digital side for Fox is you've got this Twitter pre and post game show. So tell me about that and why, why you use Twitter as a host. Yeah. So one of the reasons we, we love Twitter is it's the real-time platform of social media, right? It's the place that people go to while they're watching television, notably while they're watching sporting events. Uh, we also happen to know from our folks at Twitter that the World Cup and a World Cup year is the most tweeted about event period on the planet. Um, so it's the place that people are going to go to talk and you know tweet uh, and comment about this tournament. That's where we want to be. So we debuted this, I believe, what was it, 2018 in Moscow for, for, the, for the Men's World Cup. Turned around, did it again in 2019 in Paris for the Women's World Cup. Um, and it just, you know, at the time, we were doing something completely new. You know, at the time, it was actually quite difficult to even stream live content uh, to a social media platform. Uh, throw in some of the international frame rates and some of the other complexities of being international. It's even harder. Uh, but now I tell you, it's it's probably one of the projects that we're most proud of. I, I think the product that we did live from the Cordation Doha, you know, 20 minutes before and after every single match of the World Cup, I think it was the best thing we've ever done. You know, I felt really comfortable saying that. Uh, we had 88 million people watch that. 88 million is a lot of people um, nominated for a few awards. So we're running a lot of that back. You're, you're going to see, 
every single person that's that's, that's on the roster here on this product. Um, and we're really proud of it. I hope people check it out because I think it's one of the best things we do. And you know, how do you see social media as, as something um, just you know, that that's probably going to have growing importance in the sports watching experience. Do you see that getting integrated more and more just with sports watching and maybe even having it be all one thing, one screen? Perhaps, perhaps. I mean, we're using a technology right now called Tagboard that takes social media content and it actually takes it either directly into a live video stream on digital or it takes it live in a broadcast. So we have a producer that's here in country the first time ever, uh, uh, Tagboard trip. And he is going to be sitting in the control room with our linear team during every single broadcast, every single studio show. And when something's you know interesting on the internet, he'll be bringing that live to air within seconds. So you know, in the in the television space, we have graphics that are going to show those that digital um, whatever it is, tweet, Instagram post, stories, you name it, and bring it in a broadcast in a way to let fans know that hey, we're paying attention, we're listening, you know, we're, we we see what the conversation does online, we're acknowledging it. We can use it to kickstart a segment on TV. We can use it to poke a little fun at you know one of our on-air talent if someone has a comment about them. Uh, we can also just use it to say, "Hey, look, like Oprah just tweeted, Oprah's watching, LeBron James is watching," and just make the tournament feel bigger. So there's a whole bunch of different ways that we can use social media to enhance the broadcast, make it feel a little bigger, make it feel a little more interactive—not just we're talking at you, but we're talking with you. All right, yeah, well, we'll be watching. Michael Buckland, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. That is it for today. Let us know what's on your mind, whether that's the World Cup, NFL season starting, MLB playoffs on the horizon. Give us a shout on Twitter at FOS underscore today. And I'm at Owen Poindexter. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend. We will see you Monday. Yeah.